0: Welcome to the Injury Law Pod, the podcast that explores and demystifies the complex world of personal injury law. Each week, Missouri personal injury attorney Eric Bartlett dives into the legal issues surrounding personal injury cases to help you understand your rights and options when seeking justice and compensation for personal injuries. Join Eric as he shares his experience in real life case studies, interviews guests, and answers your questions about personal injury law. The information Eric shares will help level the playing field if you have a personal injury claim. So sit back, relax, and let's explore the world of personal injury law together. Hello again, and welcome back to another episode of the Injury Law Pod. I am your host, Eric Bartlett, 27-year personal injury lawyer. And on this podcast, we have one mission, that's to deny insurance companies their ultimate goal of making a profit at the expense of injured people. I often refer to as in, refer to insurance companies as Dr. Evil from the Austin Powers movie. They really do have one motive, and that is to make money to pay as little as they have to on claims. That's why I have a job. So welcome. We're currently in our series, Work Comp 101 and we went over a general uh, outline of the work comp system. Again, I am talking about Missouri work comp. So if you are not in Missouri and you're hearing this, you may want to check your specific state work comp laws and probably talk to a work comp lawyer in your state. Uh, But I'm giving a general overview of the work comp system, the things to watch out for, uh, the traps, hopefully you can avoid. And just to give you more information generally on how it all works. So on this episode, we're going to talk about medical care and what that looks like in the work comp system. I would describe work comp medical care as being either good, fair, or atrocious. I see it all every day. And I get calls from people who went through the system, got their medical care, got treated. Um, It probably wasn't the fastest uh, that they've ever experienced, but overall, no major hiccups. They're done, and now they're trying to work through what is at the end of the work comp claim. I get calls from people who maybe just got hurt not that long ago, and they are struggling to get the care they need. This happens quite often. They're trying to connect with the work comp insurance or their employer. They're trying to get seen. Maybe they're being seen at a clinic, but they really need to be seen by a specialist and it's just not moving forward. They're not getting the help and the treatment they need. So they're reaching out to me to see if I can help them. Then I also just get people that are being treated horrifically by work comp insurance companies or their employer. And they are getting denied or they're getting a huge runaround. whatever the case may be. They are going nowhere quickly. They're hurt. They're in pain. They're having difficulty working, but yet their employer wants them to be at work or is threatening to fire them if they don't show up. But meanwhile, they've got a work injury and really they shouldn't be working at all. So it really runs the spectrum and we see some patterns as far as employers and who we can expect maybe is going to treat their injured workers better and who are going to treat their injured workers worse. Uh, But at the end of the day, we have to remember we're dealing with, at, at the end of this, a work comp insurance company, and that's the problem. And, you know, in Missouri, so an employer is legally obligated to provide medical care to an injured worker. And that sounds great, doesn't it? Seems like if you get hurt on the job, that's how it should be. Again, we have an insurance company, and they're going to make the decision about whether this injury that, that a person has was really caused by work. Sometimes it's very evident Somebody falls through a roof, for example. Just had this call this week. Somebody falls through a roof, breaks bones, has to be taken away by ambulance. Okay, there's no question that person suffered a work injury. Where it gets harder is when a worker has done the same job for some period of time. They start to have problems, maybe from repetitive motion, and they report it. Finally, to their employer, and at that point, whether it's the employer, whether it's the insurance company, whichever entity decides they're going to make it difficult and they're not just going to get them seen for the complaint. Um, maybe they are going to, maybe at the employer level, they're going to say, Well, no, we're not turning that into our work comp, we don't think that's a work comp injury. Well, of course, that's not how it's supposed to go. The employer is supposed to turn it in to their work comp insurance. And then from there, the insurance company can make decisions. Um, But then we also get it where the employer turns it in for the employee. And then at that point, the work comp insurance company says, no, We don't think that's related to your work. So you're going to have to go on your own. And that presents a lot of problems because even though a person might be able to go out and then get treated on their own, even though that could be a problem, because if they go into a doctor's office and they tell them, I have an injury, you know, I think it's because I've been doing this same motion in my work all this time. As soon as a doctor hears that, there's a good chance they get nervous and they say, well, this is a work-related issue and I can't address it. And really all that comes down to is if the person has health insurance, the health insurance is not going to pay for something that may be work-related. So then you get into this really bad situation where work comp says no, Health insurance says no, and meanwhile, you got a hurt person who can't get treated. And the other part of this is even if it moves forward and you can get treatment on your own, if for some reason this leads to having to be off work for some amount of time, if it's not in the work comp system, then there's no other benefits available. So then the person is just off work. Hopefully they've got PTO, sick leave, whatever. And unfortunately, they have to take that for their work injury. That should be under work comp, which provides a different set of benefits if you're off work for some amount of time. But anyway, if they don't have any of that, then they're truly just not able to work not getting any income, and it creates real financial issues for that injured worker. And we see it a lot. So you, again, hope that upon reporting the injury, the condition, whatever it is, to the employer, it gets turned into the work comp. Work comp gets you to a medical provider, and things get on track. The other part of this is typically speaking, everything work comp does is in a slow, conservative manner. They don't want their, for example, say your shoulder, you've hurt your shoulder. And if you went to your own doctor, they would very likely say, well, you need to see an orthopedic doc. Um, Or they might even say, well, let's get an MRI and see what you did in there. Now, when you go to a work comp clinic, usually it's, well, it's a sprain and maybe we'll do some physical therapy. Maybe we'll just give it some time and you can go to work and here's some light duty restrictions. And of course, then you present those light duty restrictions to the employer and they give a hard time about, well, great. Now you can't really do much and this isn't very helpful to us, Um, but back to the original point which is the work comp doc is going to do everything probably pretty slowly pretty conservatively again let's take some time give it some rest maybe they get you started in some physical therapy and then of course i see a lot of where people get into physical therapy and it's really just making this situation worse and it's only after going through the motions long motions sometimes Does that work comp doc finally say, okay, let's get an MRI. Let's see what's going on. And lo and behold, the MRI gets done. And yeah, there's, you know, a tear in the shoulder. Oh, you need to see an orthopedic doc. This could be surgical. Really? We didn't see that coming. But you're in that system. That is the work comp system. The employer slash insurance company controls your medical care. And there's very little way around it. Um, the only way that potentially gets around it is if it just completely stops and then, you know, getting a second opinion. Um, and, and that isn't always easy because the employer slash insurance company is not under any obligation to give you a second opinion or to have you seen by somebody else to get a second opinion Um, and then going out on your own, again, you're back to square one, which is trying to get, you know, a doctor to look at you, to give you a second opinion. Um, sometimes if enough pressure is put on them, they'll do a second opinion. And a lot of times if a lawyer gets in the mix, then, you know, they can start trying to put the pressure on to get a second opinion. Um, but otherwise, yep, you're stuck. You're stuck with what you're getting. And again, you just hope that it goes smoothly, but it's a coin toss as to which way it's going to go. So, again, sounds great um, that they're going to cover your medical care, but it's not always that great. I always have to remind listeners that when you're dealing with the insurance company, you are in the danger zone. And, you know, you don't want to give any recorded statements and A lot of times, especially with repetitive use injuries, they're going to be asking questions about your prior history, right? So let's say you've worked at this job for a year. You've been doing whatever it is, and your wrist, shoulder, elbow, knee, whatever part of your body has become a problem over the course of doing this job. So you report it. You tell them that there wasn't a specific injury, but there's a progressive condition. And now they want to ask you, well, okay, so before this job, what did you do? What kind of work were you doing? And before that job, what were you doing? And interestingly enough, right, you came into this job, maybe you passed a physical. There were no issues, but now that you're claiming an injury, there's issues. And that insurance company, they want you to sign an authorization. They're going to take a look at all your prior uh, medical, really try to dial in on whether or not you had problems before this. And it can really get off track from there. And, you know, they're not going to take your word for it. Even if you tell them, no, I have not had problems before. I came into this job healthy. I was good. They don't care. And now again, you're just delayed, you're hurting, you know, effectively you can't work or if you're working, you're working in pain. So it can become a real problem. And that's the danger zone. That's when you're dealing with that insurance company. They're looking for those ways to possibly get out of the claim. Another thing to think about too is emergency care. So let's just say you get hurt. It's an emergent situation. For example, the guy that, fell through the roof. An ambulance came, took him away. So who's responsible for that? Well, that's a work injury. The work comp insurance is going to be responsible for that bill. But the problem is if the ambulance doesn't know who the insurance is, they're going to obviously know who you are and they're going to keep coming after you for that bill. So you have to make sure that you're communicating with any kind of provider that you have emergency medical care with hospital. You're going to show up at an emergency room. You got to make sure once you have a claim number established with a work comp insurance, that you get back to those providers, you give them that information. And there's actually cease and desist letters that we send out on behalf of clients. And we tell the provider, look, this is a work comp matter. Here's the work comp insurance, all those things. And you need to get your bill paid by them. But at the end of the day, emergency care provided as a work injury is covered through work comp, but it takes some work to get there and you got to stay on top of it, or you'll end up having a bill go to collections. And Obviously, it shouldn't because at the end of the day, it's not your responsibility. So the role of the work comp doc, if you go to one of the clinics, so basically the first level of care you're generally going to get, if it's not a really serious injury, like I just discussed, something emergent, you're going to go to one of these occupational clinics. And there's a few different ones. And I will tell you, there isn't a one that I'm impressed by. They are sort of the clearinghouse for getting injured workers just dealt with, right? Those docs don't really much care. Um, a lot of times they have attitudes towards injured workers. Again, like I just talked about, A lot of times they're going to do very slow, conservative treatment. They're not really going to listen to you and what your concerns are. And it's certainly not like going and paying for a doctor that you chose who you know is going to care about you. And so it's tough. We get a lot of people that just are not happy with their experiences at work comp occupational type clinics, but unfortunately, again, that's the employer slash insurance company's choice, and they can certainly have you go there, and uh, that's that's where it all starts. So the big thing um, that you need to keep in mind is that when you get on some track of treatment, you've got to make sure you keep your medical appointments. Um, you got to do what the doctors are telling you to do. Again, even though you may think this is ridiculous, this is not helping. Um, because if you don't do that, it can affect other benefits that you get that we'll talk about in later episodes. Um, it can affect those benefits. You want to make sure if the doctor is telling you go to physical therapy appointments, um, those types of things, you do it, even if you don't really agree with it. And you want to make sure you keep the appointments going to that doctor, following up, those types of things. Um, You have to keep this in mind. Only a work comp authorized doctor can give you work restrictions that your employer has to honor. So you can't go to your personal doctor and ask for them to write you off work or to give you restrictions Well, you can, but your employer does not have to honor that. And so probably a, um, an exercise in futility. So you're going to really want to try and work with whatever the work comp authorized doctor you're under the care of um, to get sufficient restrictions so that, you're not re-injuring yourself. You're maybe able to heal all those things. And again, it's hard because especially at those occupational clinics, those doctors just don't really care too much. And I hear it every day where people are like just telling me they went there and the doctor said, okay, take off two days and then back to full duty. And they're like, I can barely move my arm. So I don't know how that's going to really benefit me. On those restrictions, making sure you understand how any medical restrictions that you have in place affect what you can and can't do at work and whether you should be working at all instead of getting work comp benefits. So kind of interesting. There's always the rub, right, of you get restrictions from a work comp doctor. You take those to your employer and the employer tries to work around those restrictions or get you to do things that are inside those restrictions and give you a hard time about it and all those things. And, um, it's not cool, but it happens all the time and you need to make sure you have those restrictions on you. You can point out to your employer, these are my restrictions. I am not supposed to do this. And probably start putting things in writing if you're getting that kind of pressure. You know, if an employer is retaliating against you for your work comp claim, that's another claim in and of itself that you will have against that employer, especially if they fire you after making the work comp claim and you can show that it was retaliatory in nature. So you want to start creating a document trail, email, text, whatever. Don't just do everything verbally. So if, if you have a supervisor telling you X, Y, and Z, send it back to them in a text or an email or however you communicate or send a note back with a copy saying, this is what you're telling me. This is a uh, summary of our conversation. And again, you're not abiding by my restrictions those kinds of things, just create that paper trail. Because again, that's a whole nother claim outside of your work comp claim. And truthfully could be a much more valuable claim. If it's able to be proven that you were retaliated against for your work comp claim, employers are not allowed to do that. So make sure you know your restrictions, make sure you know what you can and can't do. Make sure you're communicating that to your employer um, and make sure if your employer cannot accommodate your restrictions. So if they tell you, Oh, listen, I mean, there's just nothing we can have you do here with those restrictions. You're worthless. Then you're supposed to be off work and you're supposed to be getting weekly benefits at that point. And that's a big deal. So just keep all that in mind. We'll talk about those weekly benefits more down the, down the road. Um, I already talked about getting a second opinion. Again, you can certainly request it, demand it, push for it. Um, They're not under any obligation. It really just depends on the insurance company involved, whether they will provide that to you. And again, a lot of times a lawyer gets in and can kind of push for that and maybe make that happen. If you can't get anywhere, and you're sort of stuck, that's when, if we get involved as work comp lawyers, we get you seen by our doctor who's going to give you an assessment. And if that doctor thinks you need further evaluation, treatment, care, our doctor will put all that in a report, and then that will give us the basis for working towards getting you more care. So that's kind of how that works. Um, Another thing that you could run into at some point, which is if you're getting to a point, and again, you may not think you're ready. You're still having problems, difficulties, pain, limited mobility, whatever it is, say after a surgery. And they've been doing a lot of treatment, but it's not getting better. And, the doctor is not willing, for example, maybe to get you another MRI to see if something's not right with the body part where you had the surgery. You know, why is it that you continue to have pain and problems? So if you don't get there, a lot of times you start getting the pressure put on. The doctor says, you know, I'm going to have you do a functional capacity exam And depending on that, then you're probably going to release you from any further care. So this functional capacity evaluation or examination, in my experience, it's the the big signal that you're on the way out. You're going to get the boot out of work comp. So basically, they're going to send you usually to like a physical therapy office and they're going to do this functional capacity evaluation on you. And the idea is to measure what you can and can't do as it relates to your job. And, you know, in theory, if it comes back that you can't do certain things, then that it'll go from there, accommodations made, whatever. But if it comes back that, you know, you're perfectly capable of doing your job, then there it is. You know, here's the results. Go back to work. Oh, you don't show up to work. Now, legally justified to fire you. Um, a lot of times what I see is that it's amazing that it comes back. The report says the person just wasn't putting in 100 percent, so they weren't giving it a full effort. So it's invalid and that's what comes back from the report, which are trying to show then that the employee didn't try. And so that also gives them the basis to say, okay, we're done. Go back to work. So if you start here in the old FCE, functional capacity exam or evaluation, the writing's on the wall that um, they're ready to get you out of the work comp system. They're ready to put you in a box and force your hand and, Again, probably going to put you in a situation where you're going to get fired from your job. It's really, really cruddy. It happens enough. I see it uh, enough to um, know that there's going to be a a problem ahead. Um, And so finally, as I just talked about, the, the end result when the work comp authorized doctor says there's nothing more that can be done for you. They, they put you at what's called maximum medical improvement, MMI for short. And that is the magic phrase that boots you out of the work comp system, Uh, boots you out of the work comp treatment. Now you're still in the system because, well, possibly two things, but one, you're entitled to a disability settlement. So let's go with this. If you are you're okay, you've, you've gone through the treatment, you've healed up and um, it's as good as it's going to get and you're able to go back to work, then you truly are at maximum medical improvement and it's time to talk about a disability settlement. Again, topic for another episode. Uh, but a lot of times my clients get put at MMI and they are not really at MMI. So they have... Um, they, they perfect example is, I mean, I have a client that had shoulder surgery, went through follow-up physical therapy, still had lots and lots of problems. I mean, she can only raise her arm up about halfway still. And they would not, the The work comp orthopedic doc was not going to do another thing for this lady. Said, nope, you're done. You'll be all right. It'll work out over time. Well, obviously we get her seen by our doc and our doc says needs a repeat MRI. There could be a recurrent tear in that shoulder needs further surgical intervention, whatever. So anyway, we fight, we push, we get her reevaluated with another MRI and low and bold. She has another tear. So gets back to an orthopedic doc and ends up having another surgery. And that happens pretty commonly. It's not uncommon to see that scenario. Um, And again, you just have to remember this, that work comp authorized doctor, that person's loyalties lie to the insurance company because that's where they get paid or that's who they get paid by. And that's where they're going to get another patient. They're not going to get another patient probably from you. They're going to get another patient from that insurance company and that's who paid their bill. So when it it you know, if it has to be on a scale and the scale has to be weighed, right? one way or the other by that doctor, well, they're always going to tip in favor of the employer. So or the insurance company. Again, I use those interchangeably because technically right, it's the employer that's doing all of this, but again, employers purchase work comp insurance, which then, the insurance company ultimately drives the bus. In any event, we we do get in situations where doctors, surgeons, whatever, I mean, they can be very capable and competent doctors, but they're going to lean towards what the insurance company wants. And that's why a lot of doctors won't do work comp and those types of things because they don't want an insurance company telling them, how to treat a person or not treat a person. The ones that do it, I mean, they know what the game is. They know that if they're going to continue a relationship with that insurance company, they have to do what the insurance company prefers. And that's where Eric comes in. Eric has a job Because we have to step in and we have to make sure that the injured worker is getting the best possible look, evaluation, and care that they can get under this system. We do it all the time because that's what it takes a lot of times. So that's kind of the medical care part of work comp in a nutshell. Some of the things that, you know, you need to know, you need to keep in mind. Again, unfortunately, you're at the mercy of the insurance company. They get to drive The bus, they get to direct your medical care. You can be a squeaky wheel. You can try to fight with them, push on them. Sometimes it works, and unfortunately, a lot of times it doesn't. And then it usually takes getting a work comp lawyer involved. So, on the next episode, we're going to talk about weekly benefits and what that looks like, uh, when you get them, how much you should be getting, those types of things. I hope you found this episode helpful. Uh, Please share with anybody, you know, that might need this information and uh, I'll talk to you on the next one.